All right, let's get started this morning. Exodus 32, uh, verses 21 through 24 will be our uh, main passage. And Phil, if you'll get that for us. Exodus 32, 21 through 24. Uh, I.L., if you'll get for us Exodus 32, 22. Uh, Luke 23 and verse 3. Uh, Johnny, if you'll get that for us. Luke 23 in verse 3. All right, one of the uh, realities that you are going to face in ministry or any leadership position is people pressure. People will try to pressure you into decisions, pressure you into changes. Uh, you know, that's going to look many different ways, but learning how to navigate it is not only a skill. There is a skill to maneuvering through people pressures, but there also needs to be an inner security at work to being able to make these necessary stands sometimes or just the necessary decision. And so in the story we're going to look at, we see Aaron, he struggles with people pressure and I want to take a lesson from this. Exodus 32, 21 through 24. And Moses said to Aaron, What did this people do to you that you have brought a great sin, so great a sin, upon them? So Aaron said, Do not let the anger of my Lord become hot. You know the people, that they are set on evil. For they said to me, Make us gods that shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man of us out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. And I said to them, Whoever has any gold, let them break it off. So they gave it to me and I cast it into the fire and it's cast in that. Okay, people pressure. Let's talk firstly about that idea of people pressure. So in ministry and again, any form of leadership, you will deal with pressures. And uh, pressures of reality in all of life. No doubt as a teenager you remember lessons or people talking about peer pressure. Right, that your peers, those around you, which as a, high, a middle school or high school, I, we didn't really use the word peer. So I was like, I don't even know what, this, what is peer pressure. I got stuck at peer and didn't hear the rest. Uh, but uh, it's those around you, people around you, friends around you, acquaintances, uh, different influences to pressure you into things you don't want to do, into things you know aren't right into things you know are destructive or criminal or fill in the blank but it doesn't end there does it peer pressure is not just a middle school high school thing peer pressure is in the workplace uh, you have this it, it doesn't ever go away I've, I've talked to numbers of people the moment that uh, uh, their their workmates find out they're not only a Christian but they go to the potter's house now there's pressure. Now there's all of this at work. It can come from family. Uh, you know, someone who comes in that they are not uh, churched or raised in church and they get saved and now all of a sudden there's pressure about their salvation from their family. There can be uh, pressure from our friends. Sometimes this is the case. I've, I've experienced this when you make a decision, I'm changing uh, my behavior, my convictions. I'm going to uh, go deeper with God and friends like Crabology want to pull you down or keep you down and pressure you. And, you know, I, I got those. You, you hear the term holier than thou. Oh, wow, now you're going to be Mr. Holy. Now you're better than us. Those are real pressures that happen when you want to make decisions. Uh, media can pressure us. Society can pressure us. This is a truth in life in general, but you're going to find it in leadership. You're going to find it in ministry. You're going to encounter it when you are pastoring. I'll tell you something. Just because you are, quote unquote, in charge, it doesn't mean that people will willfully follow you. Okay, P uh, pressure affects even leaders. 
In our passage, verse 21, Moses said to Aaron, what did this people do to you? He's looking at the situation. Can you imagine? He's just come down from meeting with God. He's just come down from the presence of God, the thundering voice of God, the hand of God writing out the Ten Commandments, this supernatural experience and encounter with the Holy of Holies, with the righteousness of God, with the just, uh, uh, justice of God, all of that. And as he comes down to find, you know, God's people who have been delivered from slavery, who've been delivered from Egypt, who have witnessed 10 plagues, who have watched the seas part, who have followed a cloud by day and a fire by night, to see them engaged in, a, in an orgy, to see them engaged in this worship of this calf. He's like, hey, what did they do to you? Seriously, what is the pressure here? How did this happen? Verse 22, you know the people. This is Aaron's response. It's pressure. It's pressure as he's left in leadership. People want to impose their will. So we need to think, why does pressure come from people? What motivates it? Where is this coming from? Number one, it simply has to do with will. Human will. People want what they want. Okay, that's, that's just a, a, a reality there. And they will attempt to exercise their will on you. Okay, and, and please understand, it's not always evil. Okay, sometimes pressure comes and, and it's not always in the form of this evil, gross sin. No, we will not do that, you know, <laughs> whatever that is. It's, sometimes it's just, I would prefer. Sometimes it's, you know, this is just my opinion, but, right? And then there comes that pressure. You know, I have an idea. And you can feel that pressure. And sometimes you think, you know what, I'm not going to be affected by it. I, I know what works. I know, you know, but there's some, there's sometimes there's things behind it, right? There's, there's motivations behind it. Sometimes it's, it's coming from people with influence. Sometimes it's coming from people maybe even you respect. And it, and it can be a pressure, right? It can be at work. Sometimes it's, it's religious people, and, it, and you feel it. I remember being sent out, and, and Pastor Greg, how frequently he warns us about religious people. But you got to get good at dealing with their pressure. And you might think, yeah, I don't know why anyone would let them come, but sometimes until you're in it, you, you don't really realize it. And I remember one of the first times a, a religious guy coming to me, and, and he had... You know, the previous pastor had told me how much, uh, uh, you know, of a blessing he was and how long he's been coming. And, and there was just all of this at work. And I'm fresh, man. I'm, I'm a month into ministry. And I can remember him coming to me right at the end of the service, chewing his gum, you know, and he had a little bit of a posture and he was an older guy. And, you know, you know you, we had some visitors. I don't know if you noticed, they left. And I did. They was. And they did. They left when we spoke out in tongues, you know, I believe in the Holy Spirit, but should that be part of the regular service? Should that be public? I tell you, you feel it. You're the new guy. You're the young new guy. And, you, yeah, and there's that pressure. And again, it's not always this evil thing, but it's will, isn't it? And will confronts you and what you've been taught, and what you've received in the presence of many witnesses, and the pattern that you've seen and heard for your entire salvation, and now there's this confrontation and you feel the pressure. So sometimes it's not always this huge evil thing, or in this case, even a doctrinal thing or a littered thing, but you still feel the pressure will. Number one, number two is pride. Pride can motivate people pressure. <clears throat> people, 
that have these pride issues. They, they actually want to lead. That's really what they want to do. They actually believe they should lead and that you are a poor leader. And so they work very hard to lead from the passenger seat. And, and again, it's, it's not always so forward. It's not always so uh, aggressive and you identify it as this, hey, that's evil, man, that's wrong, that's not acceptable, it's, but they push. There's some pre- uh, people pressure, uh, th- that they're pushers, always trying to push you into a decision. And then what you'll find with people pressure and those that are prideful is they push you immediately. That, we need to know now. Like, we got to figure out this now. And you're going to, th- when there's pressure, that's salesmen, right? That's insurance. <laughs> you got to sign up for this now because who knows? I mean, a tornado could fall right on your house and, uh, you know, a tree that wasn't there before sprouts up and falls, you know, and it's, it's pressure and it's fast and it's now and it's immediate. They push. It can be demands that they make in pride. No, no, you need to do this. It can be undermining, right? They smile at you. They tell, man, you are, wow, you're amazing. You're the best pastor we've ever had. But undermining, yeah, but I don't know. He did that, but I don't, I don't really agree with it. Yeah, I don't really think, though, that's, that's really helpful. I don't, think, I don't think that's the direction we need to be going. I don't think that that works in our city. They undermine. They can be shifty, right? It's in their pride, they're always trying to, you know, keep you guessing. They don't want to show their true colors. They could be deceitful. Uh, They could be concerning. Now look, Pastor, I I think you are really doing a good job, but I'm concerned there's other people. They might not think like I'm thinking. Right? And this this is at work and you feel the pressure or they'll tear down. And it's any means possible, whatever, to give pressure so that you feel it, so that you do what what they want you to do because in their pride, really, I'm a better leader. So they should listen to me. Lastly then, and and this is the, the final pressure that comes from people, would be rebellion. Is that there are just, there are some people, they just will not submit to any leadership. They're rebels. They're rebels at their job, they're rebels in their marriage. They're rebels in, uh, with their family. They're rebels, uh, you know, with police. <laughs> it doesn't matter. If you're an authority, you, I, I have to resist you. It's, it's in there. And uh, this is just that final bit. But, and, and this is very much spiritual. Because I can, I, I've dealt with rebels. I've dealt with rebellion and... You know what's right, but it's like when you get in the presence of a rebel, it's demonic. And, and you can become so confused and so lost of focus. I remember going into meetings with rebels. I had to write things down so that I could stay focused on what I needed to say, on what was truth and what was right. And, you know, because otherwise you, you wind up in the, in the weeds and it's like... Yeah, I don't, I don't know what I was thinking because they're, they're master manipulators. But I pastored a church where three previous pastors put up, put up with a rebel and two surrounding churches tolerated them. And it's like, looked at the data, no. And wisdom from my pastor, no. You want to be your own pastor. Three pastors you've had problems with. You have issue here. And then there's two churches that they've tolerated you. I'm sorry, you're done. You're out. And when I put that rebel out, the two surrounding churches said, hey, when you put them out, can you put them out for us too? (laughs) But why? Because there was pressure. Because there was relationship. Because there was influence. They felt the pressure. I can't do that. So no matter why, pressure is going to be there, but you need to have room in your thinking for it. This is what puzzles men sometimes. They go out, they begin to minister, they begin to preach, and it, and it, it trips them out. I, 
I'm in charge. Why do I feel so much pressure? Because it's always at work. So let's think secondly about standing under pressure. The key is to know how to stand, right? That, that's the whole point of our lesson. In our story, Aaron caves to the pressure. Exodus 32, 22. Okay, so think about this. The, here he is. He has this pressure. And take the time. You can read before how this all happens and, and etc. But Pastor Moses, you don't understand. They're set on evil. So they make it very difficult. It's hard to stand for righteousness. It's hard to lead them. You, you know them. You know what we're dealing with. But really... That is, actually, that is weak leadership. And people can be like sharks and smell weakness. <laughs> they smell the blood, you know, it's, it's there. And, and they'll prey on that. If they see, I read a book uh, written by Trey Gowdy. And I used to be a, a, a prosecutor and, and uh, involved. But he said there was a judge that, that could never make a decision. And he said... Really, it was the last, whether it was the defense attorney or the prosecuting attorney, whoever he talked to less, that's who he leaned with. So, so the, the lawyers are trying to get to that judge last, right? They want to be the last because that's going to be the verdict. And that's poor leadership. That's how so, they'll recognize, right? It's like kids. If I'm telling you, if you and your wife are not on the same page or you disagree in front of your kids about situations, they're going to know. I know who's going to tell me yes, and I know who's going to tell me no. I know who I can uh, uh, bend and manipulate. They're very smart, and this is in the heart. So here is, here is uh, uh, Aaron. How, the people, so how do we avoid that? Because it's going to be there. Number one, it has to do with what's inside of you. Confidence and strength in leadership starts with two words, security and identity. Security and identity. These are some things that need to be settled within you. These are some things that you need to pray and ask God for a revelation. And I'm going to just scrape the surface on this, but security, your security in life, in all of life, it must come from God, the question that gets connected with security is who can I trust? Who can you trust in life? Who can you trust in all of life? Who can you trust with your life? Who can you, who can you trust will always be there to help you no matter your performance? Okay, think about that. No matter your performance, it's God. God must become your source of trust. God must become your source of no matter what people say, no matter what people do, I know I can trust God. The problem is many people find their trust in something. Their charisma, their looks, their money, their uh, conf, you know, personal confidence. They, they find it in people. They find their security in people's compliments or comments. And I'm telling you, people don't always have the same opinion about you. Right? Sometimes you, you, you preach a sermon that, man, Pastor, you are the best. Then you got to deal with a family member, or judge a situation. It, it will change. With Jesus, they said, Hosanna, throwing palm branches, taking off uh, coats, lay it before him. Yeah. Friday, they're like, no, crucify him. This is, this is people. So, but security, I know I can trust God. I know I can trust his word. I know He's, he has my best interests at heart. I know this is right. 
Maybe it's a, 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 a doctor. I know this is doctrinally right. I know this is in the word of God. I can stand on that. And so then when people try to distract you from that, it's filtered through this security lens of no. No, I, no I'm not going to do that. No, that's not what we're going to do. No, this is the decision. No, that's where I'm standing by. But I have con- you can have confidence in it. You have security in it. And that, that plays out in life. And then because of that security, you will avoid making incorrect decisions or decisions based on guilt or decisions based on fear or decisions based on pressure. Why? Because my security comes from God. He's got my back. And I'm telling you, that's, I say you need a revelation in that because I can say it and I believe it for me. But there has to be something go from your head to your heart. It becomes a settled conviction. It becomes a life approach. It becomes your posture, your attitude. And so in that, now I'm guarded and protected. I'm not going to be distracted from my purpose, my focus. I'm not going to make poor decisions or emotional decisions or sinful decisions. Like our story. Think about that. This is an extreme story with an extreme lesson, but it teaches us something. The principle that people pressure led to gross sin in our story. But I don't have to get up, I don't have to wind up there. If he would have had his security in God, when they came and said, where is this Moses? Where, who is the God that delivered us? He could have just said, Moses is on the mountain where we see the clouds and the thunder roaring on it. That's where he is. God is going to take care of us. Guys, relax. God has come through every time, but he didn't have that security. He himself didn't have that security in God. So that very important, you settle that. The second is identity. So your security will help you make decisions in the face of people pressure, but knowing your identity, which also comes from God. He says who I am, right? He defines my life. So if it's ministry leader, that's, that's not just because you uh, wound up there. God, God has given you abilities. God has given you talents. Maybe it's pastor. God called you. He placed that on you. So if he says who I am, and in that de- definition of who I am, what I'm supposed to do, then that simplifies it, doesn't it? That removes all the complexities of life. No, no. He has defined me and he has told me what to do. So if I know my identity, then when things come up that don't line up with my identity, nope, that doesn't line up with it, I can pivot. I can navigate. I can maneuver, right? You ever disciplined your kids and someone said, you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't spank your children. Okay, well, God has called me a father. He has entrusted me with these children and God has instructed me on how to discipline them. Proverbs has, I think, uh, four or five scriptures on uh, uh, discipline and spanking specifically. Hebrews has a scripture on it. Ephesians has a scripture on it. So if God, has, if God has given me the identity of a father and he has told me how to discipline and correct in love and balance, then I don't care what you say. That doesn't line up. Now, I don't have to say I don't care what you say, but yeah, well, I disagree with that. So, but thank you for your interest, <laughs> whatever, <laughs> right? But uh, you pivot. You pivot with this guy here. Right? Going back to that story. Hey, you know. And, and you know what? In the moment I felt the pressure. But you know what I said? I said, <clears throat> Ray, look. I understand that's how you feel. And sure. People might not be into it. But I've never had a convert not into it. Remember we're talking about speaking in tongues. I've never had a convert question that. And you know what? We have done this pattern for nearly 50 years, it's proven, it works all over the world, 
I'm not going to deviate from that. But thank you for letting me know. Right? So what did I, what did I just d- explain? Our identity. I'm the pastor of this of a congregation, right? I've been placed here by God. My identity, I've come to replicate what I've been taught. So that doesn't fit with my identity as a pastor, as a fellowship pastor. So no, I disagree with that. And we're not going to go your direction, right? So, it, but that, these are two foundational things you need. And it's very practical. Aaron didn't have these two foundations, which is why he couldn't trust God. And which is why he identified himself with the past life. Right? Where did he get the idea of a golden calf? Where did the people get the idea to, to do what they did? Where did that come? That came from Egypt. That came from a different identity that was at work. So now when you have these two foundations, you can wisely navigate people pressure. Because of security and identity, now you won't react emotionally or irrationally. Okay? These things I'm talking about, these don't have to be huge, you know, headbutting, intense things. Right? They don't have to be big arguments. You don't have to scream and make your neck uh, veins pop and spit. And No, it's just, no, this is what it is. You give a rational and very settled answer. Most leaders that react emotionally or, or irrationally are insecure and defensive. They also haven't dealt with their rejection, which is, pastor has said it repeatedly, especially in recent years since his rejection series, you must deal with your rejection. Otherwise, you, you walk and, and minister and labor so unsure and and then hell not just people but hell will find entrance into that hell will speak to that those words will replay in your mind and you will feel the pressure but because of these you can have confidence and these healthy heart attitudes is what enable you to maintain a posture of strength while speaking in a gracious manner. Let's read Luke 23 and verse 3. So then Pilate asked him, saying, Are you the king of the Jews? He answered him and said, It is as you say. Okay, think about this moment here. This is Jesus on trial. He's facing the cross. Guaranteed death. He knows what's ahead. He knows That whipping post is ahead. That cross is ahead. He has just prayed and he knows the cup, the portion. He's sweat, great drops of blood looking ahead to what he's going to encounter. But he knows why he's been sent. He knows the purpose of this mission. He knows what comes after the grave. And so think about all of that, having that knowledge. He knows He is the son of God. He knows he is Messiah. So here he is now before Pilate, a man who has power over his life in that moment. But Jesus tells him, the only power you have is the power God has given you. He's totally aware of that. And so now Pilate asks him this question because some say you're king of the Jews, right? And and, All of this is swirling. You have the Pharisees, you have the crowds, you have the people. All of this is swirling. Think about the intense tension of all of this. And Pilate asks, are you king of the Jews? What does Jesus, how does he respond? It says, and he answered him. It's just as you say. That's like, Confidence and security on a level. But where did that come from? That came from God. Way back. Way back. Even before being formed in the womb. 
of Mary, you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people. There's an identity there. At his baptism, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. It's coming from God, this security, this identity. Right when he's on the mountaintop with with the three, uh, Peter, James, and John, and the cloud descends, and what does he say? He says, listen to my son. That's all forming security and identity. And so now in the face of complete adversity, Jesus knows who he is. He's confident in that. That's a powerful lesson. So leadership lessons as we close. One day it will be pastoral ministry where you are going to face people pressures. One day, this is, this is, now we're talking your church, your takeover, your, you know, pioneer work. And, and, and people want to come, and I'm, I'm scraping the surface, but how you respond today to the people pressures is probably a good indicator of how you'll respond tomorrow. How are you responding today in marriage? How are you responding today with your children? Can, are they bending your will? Are they the ones that determine the tone of the home? Are they the ones that determine what you can do or not do? Right? Is, is, this is at work. In ministry. It, with family, with friends, with work relationships. How do you respond? How do you respond to carnality? Right? But... Come on, but the whole family is gonna, how do you respond? Right, how do you respond to gossip? How do you respond to division? How do you respond to rebellion? This is the people pressures of life. So the lessons are being learned today. The convictions are being established today. And again, how you respond right now is a good indicator of how you'll respond Tomorrow, think, where do I need healing this morning? Is it in my security? Is it in my identity? What, what is the area that needs healing so I can begin to make leadership decisions today? All right, let's open it up for some questions. <clears throat> questions on this topic. Yeah, Phil. Pastor, when you're um, dealing with people like in, that are in your church and they're questioning your decisions or things like that, um, is it... Are you obligated to really explain a lot of why or do you kind of just give them, you know, no, we're not going to do it that way and then move Well, on yeah, I mean, it, it depends, Phil. And, and of course, like I say, I'm scratching the surface. The biggest point I want you to capture is your security and identity. How it all is going to play out, it's going to be small decisions right now, okay? Now, to answer your question, I'll say this, it depends, it depends because, again, sometimes, and I think Pastor talked about this the other morning, it depends because if it's a person of influence, a person that's been there, let's say it's a takeover many years, right? And how you navigate that and respond is going to differ from the random religious guy that shows up, right? So, so it just depends. Um, but... But don't be opposed to questions, right? We have here a culture of questions. You can ask questions. If you need clarity, if, if there's something you didn't understand, we welcome and invite. But note this, there's a difference between questions and questioning, right? And, and those are two things you, you have to identify. So, and it just depends on the situation. But how you respond, you definitely need to know why you're making the decisions you're making, right? I could tell the guy that came up that eventually left, you know, and, but there was a lot of weird religious stuff in there. Like I can go, if I tell you the story, you'll be like, oh, wow, yeah, no, that was bad. But, but the point is, I knew the answer. It wasn't like, well, because that's what we do. Okay, right? And I gave scriptures also on, on the public and open praise. So anyway, is is it needs to be in you? Yep, and it depends. Uh, Caleb, you had a. Oh, okay. Go ahead, Tony. How do you uh, solidify your confidence and identity and confidence now? Yeah. So again, you need to pray for a revelation. 
that God would help you recognize. Revelation means to see clearly. That, that it's, it just becomes resident in you. It needs to become a conviction settled, right? And so uh, how do you do that? You pray for it, number one. God, give me that revelation. Number two, you, you build your faith in it or your confidence in it through scripture, right? How did I, what did I do with Jesus? We look back at where his identity comes from, but there is plenty that the Bible has to say about your identity and security. Matt, uh, Pastor Matt just did a, a, a series with his youth and had them find scriptures on what God says about you. One student came with how many? Two, 200 and yeah, 250 scriptures on identity. So think about it, it's there, you just have to find it. So you back it up with the word of God. So there are, there are things I can say to you, I can list off scriptures about my identity and security in Christ, but you've got to find it for yourself. And that's a way you do it. You dig into the word, you build your faith. The foundation of faith is built on the word of God. Something Pastor Greg taught us. So that's how you would do it. Prayer and scripture. And you say, God, let that reside in me, right? Let those words take residence in my heart, that it goes from my head to my heart, that when, then when things come up, Tony, that confront, confront your convictions, that confront your, uh, what you know to do is right, or what you're pursuing in the things of God, immediately it begins to flow out. Yep, uh, Devin? Uh, okay, someone who's pressuring people, how do you keep from that? is, is, uh, is uh, you know, you've got to be able to see the other side, right? Let, let's say there might even be things you, you disagree with uh, to a degree, you know, um, but, but where is that coming from, right? Uh, so I often, when I'm dealing with people, I'm, I'm empathetic, right? If I'm getting a crazy response, we just had a, a, a situation with someone we're following up on and, and my wife is like, just feeling overwhelmed by it and ask the question, should I just call them and say, are you not coming to church anymore? And I said, no, I don't think that's the right answer. I think you should say, I really miss you. I really love you and I'm concerned for you. Is everything okay? Man, I'm telling you, incredible the, the difference that made. But it's empathy. Why? Where is this coming from? Why the resistance all of a sudden? Why a change? Yeah, and there was just some misunderstandings there. Right? So it's possible I might not be understanding this. Empathy helps you have that window. Empathy helps you have room for that. So you can see it from their perspective. Number one. Number two, ask questions. You know, help me understand that, or can you help me understand this? And, you know, I'm not, I'm not seeing it clearly. Um, maybe show me, or maybe you can explain, right? And, and genuine, that comes out of genuineness, right? And you must be thirdly teachable, right? Is, is if you are not teachable, uh, Dale Carnegie says a, a quote, and I'm going to butcher it, but something to the degree of you talk to people like they're a master of, of something you need to learn about, right? That they have something they can teach you. And when you approach people that way, it changes. You're not coming, right, prideful and, and, and haughty into the conversation. Even if there's some things you might see, yeah, that's maybe not fully correct or whatever, right? And so you can, you can ask those questions. Follow those three. Yep. Yeah, it's because of the source. Pride comes from within. It comes from you, right? I have done or accomplished or I am smarter than, you know, whatever. Uh, so it comes from within. What we're talking about is security and identity, that confidence, the source is God, right? And, and how do you keep, as I said, is, is to, to, to Evan's answer, all those things, but then also I confess my dependence on God every day, right? Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. 
I pray that, God, I recognize without you, I can do nothing. I would not have any of the expression I have without Jesus Christ, without salvation, without conversion. I would not have anything that I have be anything that I am without my pastors, without my brethren, without, you know, right? How did a turtle defense post? Not by himself. I am definitely that turtle. And so I recognize that and I keep a constant grounded. I confess my need. God, I need you. I've learned to pray like my pastor. I need your wisdom. Help me to see. I pray every morning juggling big projects. God, help me to see all the details. I need your help, right? So that's very, very important. So my source, my source is God. Yep, yep. Have you ever felt like you were being pressured by somebody uh, to go in a direction, not, not necessarily rebellion, but more an opinion or you know, a leaning or an idea that somebody has? And later, maybe you shut it down, but later you realize you were wrong. Sure. And how do you handle that kind of situation where you felt like they were pressuring you, you were right about the fact that they're pressuring you, but they were correct. Yeah, sure. And, and that's the thing, though, is, is you're, you know, as a pastor, as someone in ministry, as people in church serving in different capacities, people aren't going to do things perfectly, right? And, and often when I, when I counsel couples, I, I, I teach them, and, and I'm going to take it into that context, but because that's a very close relationship. And sometimes it's just like they're butting heads and you, you can, the tension's there, and I'm, but I hear the message. I'm an outside third party. I'm not, this isn't my marriage, I, you know, this is you guys. So, yeah. so with it, I, wait, wait, hang on, hold on. But did you just hear their message? Right? So they might not be saying it perfect, yeah. but the message is in there. So with that, yeah, there might be some things that are uh, not said well, maybe not delivered well, mm-hmm. but the message is there and the message was right. Mm-hmm. Right? That's, that, that's a way. So, so how do you deal with that is, okay, well, I have a file and maybe... Maybe one day I could speak to that, you know, but I don't have to, right? Sometimes we feel that way. It's like, hey, you, you were right, but uh, I didn't listen to you because you said it with a tone and, yeah. and your 11s were out and, you know, you spit on me and, you know, all those other things, right? Is, <laughs> is, so, so we want to, we wanna, that's in our pride, we want to negate it yeah. almost, right? Yeah. It's like, I, I would have listened to you, but you were coming too strong. Yeah. So... I have room for that. Mm-hmm. No one's going to do things perfect. So I think that helps. Leaving room for error. That's okay. okay. Right? You can, you can do that. Maybe for the sake of the relationship, for the sake of the ministry. It was right, but huh, that, was, that was not the best delivery. So that's all right. Is it difficult to identify the reason behind the pressure? Is it, is it difficult or necessary? Yeah. Wait, necessarily difficult as a pastor is it one of those things that you have to kind of discern why this pressure is being applied yeah sometimes sure sometimes uh anthony that that is the case is uh it at least gives you a a good starting point right think about this when i took over the rochester congregation there was a there was a real tense atmosphere because the, the pastor left in rebellion. You know, there were two camps of people of camp. One was good. Finally, we're getting a fellowship guy who's going to fix things. The other camp was, yeah, I dare him to try to fix things. Right. So, so there's two polarizing camps at work. And one of the things Pastor Greg had told me was you are who we are, you do what we do, but I have confidence you won't go in with guns blazing, right? So, so now, okay, that security and identity at work, I can be what I need to be, but I don't have to figure it all out. So how did I navigate that? Number one, prayer. I needed God's help, right? And I will tell you literally, I can remember times in prayer 
times where I'm praying about certain things. You know, there was times I'd call Pastor Greg, he'd say, yeah, I don't know, Jesse, when your choice in life is poison, choose the lesser poison. You're there, what's the lesser poison? I don't know, can you tell me what the lesser poison is? <laughs> tell me which door to open, you know? And, uh, but, but there were times where there were very difficult decisions or things maybe that I felt needed to be confronted and I'd be praying and literally, I'm telling you, the Spirit of God, it felt like a hand on my chest, like saying, chill, relax, trust me. And, and man, I'm telling you, Anthony, that was God helping me, number one. Number two is the empathy factor that I'm talking about. Think about this. The previous pastor had been there nine years. For about the last four to five was the big, you know, time of drift to where they were when I took over. Okay, is it their fault for responding and reacting what they've been fed, right? No, they were following the man of God they thought was right. So that gives me empathy. I don't have to fix everything right now. Just give them time to heal. They're hurting, right? It's, it's, so, and through that, to be able to win friends and influence people, to be able to do that, I had to be confident in my security and my identity in Christ. Could I tell you that's what it was then? No, but hindsight looking back, man, God, you healed some things. You healed my rejection so I could stand in that time. And yeah, the church is, of course, thriving today, has three churches planted. None of that existed. None of that existed before, but that was a miracle of God. So is it necessary? I'm giving you a bigger answer. Not always. Not always. And many times you can find out where some of these responses are coming from, where some of this pressure is coming from. Maybe they're dealing with an insecurity. Like I've had people literally, it's like they cut, you know, they're drive by, cut me off or, you know, maybe I, maybe I made a mistake. It's like, okay, I made a mistake. And I, I have this saying, I, if it's a man or if it's a woman, if it's a man, I'll say, man, his wife must have must have got on him this morning, right? He's feeling insecure, right? He's going to take it on the world. Or if it's a lady, well, her husband must have told her she's ugly today because she is hurting, you know? That they're taking it so personal, right? Whatever it is. And there's something going on. That's coming from somewhere, right? So oftentimes, uh, it's very rare. Pastor Greg has told us this. It's very rare someone is genuinely evil. Very rare. And so with that in my mind, okay. So if it's super, a small amount of people, then there's a million other reasons why I might get that response. And I can work with that. So in, in conjunction to that, dealing with, in dealing with pressure, it pays to not give an answer immediately. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, yeah, as is, uh, you're absolutely right there, Anthony, and it's learning how to navigate people, right? Wise as serpents, gentle as doves. And if it is a pressure moment where they want a quick answer, I have learned to confidently say, you know what? Let me pray about that and I'll get back to you. Or it, maybe it's not something that needs to be so, you know, spiritual. Sometimes it is, but sometimes, you know what? Let me give that some thought and think through why I feel a little checked on that, right? But now, okay, now you're giving them the dignity that you take this seriously. You're giving them the dignity. I'm gonna, he's gonna think about what I said. That's, and that helps people, right? So yeah, that, that's a way you can navigate that. Uh, did, did you raise your hand? Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Sorry, I, I got a little bit lost there. They, they, they're pressuring you on something that you naturally agree with your wife's going to do, but the way your heart's telling you. Sure, yeah. No, no, it just depends. You know, I've, I've, had a, I've had people do dumb things, like their heart was in the right place, but they did or said dumb things, 
or aggressively approach the situation, but that's just a learning curve. Hey, you know what? To be fair, you were right in that. But when you said, what kind of stinking idiot would, okay, that you're not helping yourself. You're actually hurting your message. That's a learning, right? And, and, and if you're ever going to win people, I pastored a, a person that wanted to uh, be sent out and, and yeah, they were just rude, right? It was just, they were very direct, but they were, they were rude, you know, good heart overall. But I said, look, if you expect these folks to support you one day, you better hope they love you, right? Say, I, you need to work on, on your relationships with people. If, if that's going to be key. So, yeah, you can, you can channel that. You can deal with that. But there's a way to do it. So, yep. Yep. In a situation like in Rochester, you told some stories about how that played out. And some of it was you just preaching and some of it took care of itself because the one street was the preaching. Other stuff you had to direct. Sure. Would you say that in a situation like that, you're not exactly even sure what you're stepping into, so you just do what you know to do, but would you say that listening to people, too, is beneficial instead of, because I think sometimes you go into a situation like that, you think you have to directly sure. start speaking or confronting things. Yeah. Sometimes maybe people just need to be heard. Yeah, so absolutely. Definitely, definitely is. Not everything has to be dealt with or, or worked out immediately. But sometimes just, yeah, the art of listening, you know, is a, is a very valuable thing you can learn, right? And again, guys, there's, there's certain points, right? And sometimes there's things that it, it just has to be done. Decisions just have to be done. But I'm telling you right now is, like I said, how are you responding today in your marriage, how are you responding with your family, your children, your friends, work relationships, when those pressures are coming? You know, even, even saying nothing sometimes is a way where you're allowing or enabling rebellion, division, whatever. So how you respond, it's very important. And so, yep, very good. Good, good. Uh, one more question here. Yep, no, no, we got it, we got it. I, uh, question about um, taking over churches that are in rebellion. Is it, has it been more pressure going into a, a rebellion situation or coming to Prescott where people knew you before you were a pastor? <laughs> um, yeah, I'd, I'd have to kind of think that through. Um, <laughs> You know, again, pastor has said, you go from one thing that terrifies you to another. No, I was just terrified. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it was, it was a, it's a trip. It still is. So, 